Get ready Thursday mornings to listen to Molana Ibrahim Bam as he discusses common social issues prevalent in our society today. Tune in to the social program every Thursday mornings from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. for an enlightening and interesting discussion on widespread topics that affects us all. We are joined on the line by Mulana Ibrahim Abam. Mulana, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum to all the listeners also. How is Mulana doing? Alhamdulillah, Allah has been kind. Allah uh, continues His kindness upon us. Uh, as I normally make mention that there is this dua that you must read at the time of, uh, in the morning, Allahumma inni asbahtu minka min ni'matu wa afiyatin wa sitrin. Allah, we have got gotten up with concealment in your favors. Uh, continue your favors and concealment upon us. She continue to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for uh, the different favors and blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon us. Um, this morning, um, we continue with uh, the book, 30 Ways to Happiness, and we look at uh, the next chapter, that is chapter 14, uh, the joy of worship. Yes, uh, the joy of worship, of course, uh, worship uh, translating into ibadat. And uh, I think it's such an important part of happiness that by and large we don't understand and we don't give it uh, the importance that uh, it requires in terms of overall satisfaction, contentment in our life, and in reality, uh, a very great deal to do with our overall well-being and goodness uh, in this world. Mm. Gee, it's something that we should uh, really work towards to enjoy the worship and the ibadah uh, that Allah uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala has made compulsory uh, upon us. Um, Mawin, uh, he started this book, he speaks about, when we think about the acts of worship, uh, like salah, fasting, reciting the noble Qur'an, um, all of this required to us to engage in some sort of action. Yes, I think before we go into that, um, many years ago I, I, I did a, a talk on Ibadat, and one of the things that motivated me was I read a book by Hazrat Mu'abul Hassan Nadwi Rahimahullah in which he spoke about the importance of Ibadat. And he was motivated by the fact that there was a move in certain circles, and that circle still exist in the sense that um, there are people who undermine Ibadat. Like for example, they will say Ibadat is not so important. Ibadat is a, a means towards something that is more important in life. Uh, you create Ibadat and you do Ibadat uh, to inculcate uh, only good ha- it's not It's not the main thing. The main thing is something else. The main thing is to become a better human being. And while it's true to a certain extent that uh, Ibadat makes us better human beings, but the way it has been presented in certain quarters as if this is, it's, it's, it's not so important. If you do it, it's supposed to be done for a greater cause. If you get that cause and you get that objective, then this is not so important. What they don't realize is Allah Ta'ala has used this means for you to, to get that objective. It's a very technical thing, but we need to understand it. So Allah Ta'ala says, وَأَقِمِ salata لِذِكْرِ Establish salat to remember me. Now if someone says, that Allah in the Quran says that the, the meaning of salat 
and the, and the objective of Salat is to remember me, then I can remember Allah Ta'ala without going into Ruku and Sijda. So I will sit five minutes when you will go for your Salat and make your pose Ruku and Sijda. I will sit and I will, I will meditate and I will mediate, or not mediate, meditate, and I will sort of think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then I will achieve my objective because Allah Ta'ala says that the objective of Salat is to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, no. Allah has used this means for you to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala says, establish Salat, aqimu Salat, and aqimu Salat, and establish Salat to remember me. The remembrance, of course, there are different forms of remembrance, but Salat is a specific form of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you can't go to the objective without going through the means. So sometimes there is this whole aspect of trying to say that ibadat is not important, but I think it's such an important. Then I did, uh, you know, then I went into it and I look at what Mawlabul Hassan Nabi Rahimullah has done. And uh, sometimes, Mawlana, you know, what is good is that sometimes when these uh, topics come up, uh, it makes you go through some of the readings. And normally, Allah has given me uh, many favors. Some uh, I don't like to make mention of it, but I'll tell you one a very amazing is, in, uh, you know incident that happened to me. And I think I made mention of it on the on the airways of Radio Islam. That there was an ustad in our madrasa, uh, Mawlana Ishaq Sandelwi Rahmatullahi. He came from Lucknow, and Mawlana bin Nuri Rahmatullahi put him in charge of Takhassus Fiddawati Wal Rishad. Now, this was very uh, broad and the great vision of Mu'ana bin Nuri Rahmatullahi that he created a faculty for Da'wah and Irshad, how to, to propagate, um, you know, Islam. And in that, uh, I used to get my marhum father, uh, may Allah Ta'ala uh, elevate his status and forgive his shortcomings and grant him Jannatul Fardos, had, um, you know, subscribed for me Reader's Digest. Now that time, and one of the things he told me, he said, you're only going into grade six and standard four, you need to know how to read, and uh, Reader's Digest that time was regarded to be a masterpiece in terms of good, good English writing. So uh, the person who they, that time kind of used to subscribe, and they used to bring the Reader's Digest to the, to the hostel. So one day, Morana uh, Ishaqsab saw them bring it to the room. So he asked the person, what are you bringing? So he said, I'm bringing a Reader's Digest. So he said that, uh, who are you taking it to? He said, I'm taking it to the... He said, tell the person to come and see me. Now in the moment he said, you come and see me, I said, I'm not going to get in trouble. Because, you know, you get this feeling that now you're reading, you are here for Dean, why are you reading this Reader's Digest? So Morana told me an amazing thing. He said, after you read it, give it to me. So I said, that's it, why, why? He said, no, I want to read it also because I like to keep myself abreast. And this is our ustads, and that's why, you know, and sometimes I see this narrow-mindedness and pettiness, uh, it, it didn't come from our asatiza. So, nevertheless, uh, he told me, give me that reader's digest, I want to see it. And then we started speaking, and then he told me, I'm giving you one advice, since you've given me the reader's digest. He said, whatever you, you do, your, your Jumma bayans, you must write it down. Say, write it down. You see, other bayans, you're speaking after Isha somewhere, you're going for a program, a one-hour bayan, 45 minutes bayan. You know, it's all right, you can go and give, you can uh, make a disturbance. You see, Juma, you got maximum crowd, and that's the best time for you to, to interact and to make the best of the limited time you got. You got the greatest audience, you got the limited time, and therefore I don't agree with uh, some of uh, the moves 
that, that undermine the, 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 the Friday talk. Uh, I remember Mufti Mahmoud uh, we went to him to, 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 because there was also an issue about how the Friday talk. So Mufti Mahmoud said that nowadays many people, the only interaction they have with Deen is the Friday talk. Don't undermine it. Those who will say, no, we'll give the talk after, after Juma. Right, uh, whoever wants to sit, whoever wants to sit, sit. No, I, I don't agree with that. And those people who I, I the, the, the Friday talk is an important part of the education of Dean. Nevertheless, so he told me, he said, because of this, right, so that you don't, you don't go and you don't go from pillar to post. You give a, a coherent message. So I've always had this, this stuff. Even today, when I do write. Uh, you know, when I do read any book, I will always make notes. And you'll see any book that I've read, I've got a whole lot of pencil scribblings in the beginning of the book. Well, this is an important point. And so when I was reading this book of Hazrat Muhammad Hassan, Nabi Rahimullah, I, I picked up some amazing things about Ibadat. So one of the first things that you do is, that what is, what is the, the definition of Ibadat? Al-Ibadatu Ibadatun Anil Khudu'i wa Tadallul Wahadduha فِئْلُ لَا يُرَادُ بِهِ So he says that Ibadat is the definition of extreme submission and humility in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your creator. And the, the objective of it is to show ta'zim and respect and reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I found, subhanAllah, what an amazing definition of ibadat. So when you start off anything, you know, it's always nice to give a holistic concept about what you are speaking about. So what is ibadat? So Hazrat Mu'abul Hassan Nadwi Rahimullah in the book of his has quoted Shami in which he has given this particular, uh, you know, definition of ibadat. Ibadat is uh, the definition and the objective and the essence is humility and submission in front of Allah Ta'ala. And the main objective is to show respect to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, of course, he goes on to give some of his importance. And one of the greatest importance I found was, some, uh, amazingly, he made mention, he said, it is through ibadat that the relationship between human being and his creator finds its most candid and intimate expression. W- what is our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I mean, we don't have, like, for example, you have a relationship between parents and children, between siblings, between friends, between colleagues in the workplace. There is an aspect of a relationship. What is our relationship with Allah? It's not a relationship of, of like, an informal friend, you know. It's a relationship that one is the king of kings, and we are his lowly servants. There's another dimension of Allah Ta'ala's uh, relationship with Allah Ta'ala, where Allah Ta'ala is the beloved and we are the one seeking the love of the beloved in the truest sense. Right? So there's these two expressions with regard to our relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. One is Allah Ta'ala is the king of kings and we are his lowly servants. So therefore you go down into Sijda, you go down into Ruku. That is now we are your servants, O oh Allah. You are the king of kings. And one is you do it out of love. Oh, no, the believers love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intensely. And you are seeking the love of the beloved, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the highest form of love. For us, that for us, love is only between, you know, uh, human beings. And that also in a particular form. And that also sometimes not even in the halal form. 
in the you know in the in the haram form, then we regard it as love. Astaghfirullah. But the uh, the believers, uh, you know, they intensely love Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So, what is our relationship with Allah? How is our communication with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala through the means of ibadat? Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, when a person reads salat, therefore it is mustahab that when you read salat, then you you pause at every. Ayat, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. It comes in a hadith in Tirmidhi. And last week I made mention of it in, in my Jummah talk. Uh, that when a person reads Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala replies, Hamadani Rabbi. Subhanallah. My, my bondsman and my slave and my servant has, has praised me. And he said, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Then Allah Ta'ala says, Asna alayya abdi. My, my bondsman and my servant has, you know, given me the ultimate praise. And uh, and when he says Maliki Yomidin, Allah Ta'ala replies, Majjatani Abdi, my uh, my bondsman has glorified me. Subhanallah. That is a relationship. Nabi Karim says, I have distributed salat between me and my servant and my bondsman. Half is for me and half is for him. Half is where he prays me and half he is making dua which I inshallah I will and Allah Ta'ala will accept and Allah Ta'ala will respond to. So ibadat is that. Ibadat is where you 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 come closer towards Almighty Allah. And we are supposed to enjoy that ibadat and it must give us a purpose in life. It must give us, you know, satisfaction and happiness that when we do it. Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani Rahmatullahi had said that if the worldly people, the kings of this world, the worldly people know the satisfaction and happiness we get through ibadat, they will try and buy it from us. They will try and send their they, the armies to try and get it from us. But it's not for sale. You can't get it from sale. You can't get it by force. It comes from in. Uh, in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, hearts find contentment. And forgive me, Moran, I don't know if it's too technical, but I think it's an important part for us to understand when we say the joy of ibadat, what exactly is ibadat? Mm. It certainly is true, Moran, that, that to understand what is ibadah, how it brings a person joy as well, that acts of worship are a source of, of comfort for the believer. Why, in terms of uh, interaction, uh, what type of interaction? Uh, we are, the people would say, how did they find uh, purpose in life? How did they find contentment? How did they find happiness through the means of ibadah? And also, uh, really, I would also like if someone finds a certain degree of um, challenges in making ibadah. And mm. Morana, Mufti, Mufti, Sab, uh, Mufti Yusuf Sab has started off uh, the situation also on some of the challenges. And for example, he said that sometimes you don't you feel lethargic and you feel lazy towards uh, doing that ibadat while you know it is supposed to be there, but there's a certain degree of lethargy towards that. So how do you get that particular aspect uh, coming in? So you can uh, let us know. Uh, the, the lines are open. Uh, you can give us a call. Uh, you can interact with us as well on 072-786-1548. We're speaking about uh, the joy of Ibadah. How have you found uh, the joy, uh, joy in Ibadah or contentment and peace and so on? And if, uh, like Malana mentioned, if there is some challenges that you are facing when it comes to worship, you can uh, drop us a message on that as well. And Malana would be able to advise on that. Why well, you can continue. You see, another thing, Moana, is just to, to, to understand it. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit technical here. That, you see, uh, just as we regard certain uh, needs of ours as essential, 
And these are essential needs. Allah Ta'ala also has re- referred to it as an essential need. So Allah Ta'ala says that when Adam alayhi salatu was salam was in Jannah, inna laka alla tajua fiha wala ta'ara. That, oh, oh Adam, don't, don't let shaitan mislead you and take you out of Jannah because all your needs are met. Allah, Allah tajua. And that is in uh, Surah Taha. That here you, you will never have any type of hunger. Wala ta'ara. And you will never be without clothes. Wa tazma'u fiha. You will never be thirsty. Wala tazha. And you will not be without shelter. You will have all of these things. Now the point is, uh, to this, as that is a need, which Allah Ta'ala refers to as a need, then we must also keep in mind that um, uh, there is another need. A need to communicate with our Creator. It's a, it's a necessity for a human being. If a man does not communicate with his Creator and originator, he manifests symptoms of loneliness, grief, and dissatisfaction with everything. Such a person... Um, starts feeling that, uh, and this is because of him not taking full share of pleasure from this world, he therefore seeks pleasure in gambling, alcoholism, uh, destroying himself. And this is becoming more and more prevalent because we don't have a purpose in life and we don't regard communication with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a necessary need. And without that need, you will, you will have symptoms of boredom, you will have symptoms of grief and loneliness and depression. But on the other hand, if there is a link in worship, it allows a person to implore all that he wishes from Allah, to submit to Allah's command, even if it contradicts his personal wishes. It fills his heart with hope and support from Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, in that particular way, it produces a life uh, contact and relationship with Allah. And when a man relies upon Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala says, Whoever relies upon Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala becomes sufficient for him. Uh, it, I read one place that, um, uh, although this is our belief from the Quran, that Allah in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where hearts find contentment, you will find in many, many uh, books, this is one, when I wrote this bayan many, many years ago, uh, I quoted uh, a saying of Dr. Henry Link, an expert in experimental psychology, right, saying that those who have a strong faith and who have ibadat have much more stronger personalities than those who have no religion or perform no worship or no ibadat. It is, it is something that gives you strength. It's something that gives you contentment. It's something that gives you a purpose in life. I don't understand why we regard it as something as insignificant. And mm. Stephen, yeah, in the book, uh, Mufti Yusuf has mentioned that uh, the research that has been done, uh, those people who are uh, who participate in religious um, activities, they tend to be more happier as well. So uh, it's an integral part of. Uh, our lives, uh, it brings uh, joy to the soul and bliss to the heart as well. Uh, but there has to be some sort of effort and a period of struggle that a person has to go through before you can uh, really start to relish its joy. The social program on Radio Islam International. And this week uh, on the social program, we continue with uh, the book, 30 Ways to Happiness. We speak in uh, on Chapter 14, uh, The Joy of Worship. Uh, Moa, there's a few messages that have come through uh, on the WhatsApp. Um, uh, the first message saying that 
Um, I've been a widow for many years and I don't have any children. Alhamdulillah, Allah is all I need. Uh, that brings me great joy and comfort. Uh, but I am human as well. Uh, there is days where I feel really lonely and there are days that I really get depressed. Yeah, Masha, yeah, and the point is just that... <clears throat> And maybe I, I will, uh, during the course, or maybe towards the end one, I will, I will bring that particular aspect up of what is, in spiritual terms, known as Qabas and Basat. That sometimes you feel a great degree of um, enthusiasm towards Ibadat, and sometimes you feel uh, lethargy towards it, and how do we try and, and rectify that and amend it? Inshallah, I will deal with it, Inshallah, during the course of the program. Mm. And the other message, uh, Mohit, saying that... Uh I've been trying to change spiritually for the last few years. I've been met with challenges uh, from people around me, even uh, my spouse. Uh, what should I do without support? It becomes really, really difficult. Even something just like wearing the niqab, uh, it's difficult for me because I've spent my whole life without any barriers. Uh, they want to know that um, in, on this journey or, or making spiritual change, do they need uh, the husband's blessing or should I just carry on despite the challenges that I face? I think it's important and a very important question. There is no obedience of the creation when it involves uh, disobedience to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So while it's permissible and in fact uh, recommended that we uh, follow the, the, the husband, for example, or we be obedient or we, they, you know, we, we listen but at the same time, the law of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is supreme. At the end of the day, we are personally accountable to Almighty Allah, not to our husbands or to our spouses. So you can't go in front of Allah Ta'ala giving the excuse, my spouse didn't allow me to do so. It's not a valid excuse. So what do we do with regard to that? The way to deal with it is that we need to understand that uh, we have uh, a, a very important a command of to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you don't need the permission of the spouse to, to, to comply with the commands of Allah. In fact, you have to comply with the commands of Allah irrespective of that. Yes, what you need to do is to be sensitive and to be with, uh, with wise and with tact. Do it in such a manner that you don't um, have any type of uh, uh, unnecessary hassles at home. So what you do is you continue. And you will, you, 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 it makes a difference because, see, ibadat and everything is supposed to make you more humble, make you better in terms of your akhlaq. So when people see the change that come about you because of you being obedient to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will come towards you. They will come and see the benefit with regard to it. And there are many examples with regard to it that people see the benefit of a person in terms of his, uh, in terms of his interaction with people. Then they come to realize there are many, many, many such examples. So my my advice would be continue, and slowly through the means of your kindness, compassion, and akhlaq, bring them over towards realizing uh, the good in that. Jazakumullah khairan for that. Um, uh, to the listeners, you can uh, continue sending through uh, your messages on 072-786-154. Uh, 
eight or give us a call as well on one one eight five four one five four eight. Why you can continue? Yes, Mufti Sahib has made mention one of the greatest bounties that Allah has conferred on His servants is a special joy and enjoyment that is attained in in worship and ibadat. We gave the definition and gave a little bit more, um, you know, some form of context and some form of explanation on that. And uh, in the book, it is said the peace, tranquility, and enlightenment enlightenment a person experiences while engaging in the worship of Almighty Allah differs from person to person according to one's strength of Iman. Allah Ta'ala in the Holy Quran says, Man amala saliham min dhakarina unta wa huwa mu'min falanuhiyannahu hayatan dayiba. Whoever does righteous deeds, whether male or female, while he is a believer, we shall surely cause him to live a good life. So when you, you obey Allah, Allah gives you a hayate tayyiba, a pure life. And besides the reward Allah will give you in the year after. And we will give them the reward in the year after according to the best of what they used to do. So this is what Allah Ta'ala says that ibadat gives you a hayat tayyibah. Then something that we had discussed earlier in the program, is that after analyzing data from over 20 countries, few researchers concluded that people who regularly participate in religious congregations tend to be happier and more civically engaged than their peers who are infrequent attendees or who don't identify with the religion at all. Morana then goes on to give an explanation of that. Allah is the creator of humankind. He knows our needs and desires. He knows what is best for us and when it is best for us. He is the creator of happiness and he will surely grant us happiness if he is pleased with us. And, and then the joy of ibadat is such that Muqtisab goes on to quote this beautiful hadith of our beloved Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Sahih Bukhari that Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Salatum man kunna fihi wajada halawatul iman Whoever has these three qualities will taste the sweetness of iman. One is that you love Allah more than you love anything else. And you love a person solely for the sake of Allah, the second thing. And you dislike returning to kufr, to disbelief, the way you dislike to be thrown into a fire. So that is the, the importance of ibadat. And to show you the joy, then Muftisab goes on to give certain examples of our beloved Nabi Karim Sallallahu in enjoying uh, and in getting uh, satisfaction, contentment, joy in, in ibadat. Yeah, but uh, there's certainly joy that a person can find uh, in ibadah. The sweetness uh, of uh, iman can be found when a person uh, loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when a person loves another person solely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we do actions solely for the pleasure of Allah, or we fulfill the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will certainly uh, find some uh, form of uh, happiness and contentment and peace that it will bring to our hearts, and we'll also uh, be able to taste uh, the sweetness of iman. Yes, another thing, we give an example. Many a times, uh, our beloved Nabi Karim Sallallahu would say to Bilal, Kum ya Bilal. Huh? O, o, arise, O Bilal, let us perform salat. Wajuilat kurratu aini fi salat. And Nabi Karim, Wajuilta, 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 kurratu aini fi salat. That salat is the coolness of my eyes. Sunan and Isai. Nabi Karim made these statements because of the enjoyment he attained in Salat. 
and because of the joy he found in Salat, he would lengthen his Salat. And that is what is important. Salat has got amazing qualities. <clears throat> salat is a means of forgiveness. Salat is a means of purification. Last week I was making mention of Shah Abdul Aziz Muhaddis Delhi, Rahmatullahi, when he explained one of the beauties of Salat. And uh, maybe I can share it uh, with yourself, Mulana Tayasap, and also with um, other listeners. Shah Abdul Aziz Muhaddis Delhi, Rahmatullahi, in one of the beauties of uh, Salat says that Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, Alam Tara, don't you see? Everything in this universe glorifies Allah Ta'ala. They praise Allah Ta'ala. Kullun, every one of them, they know the mode of remembering Allah and glorifying Allah Ta'ala. Right? In another place in the Holy Quran, Allah Ta'ala says, Each and everything glorifies Allah, but you can't, you can't understand or know how it's praising Allah. Then he goes on to say that, look at how Allah Ta'ala makes everything praises Allah, which Allah Ta'ala says, but look at their mode. So, for example, you will find that the trees are standing straight. So they remember Allah standing straight, like Qiyam in our Namaz, in our Salat. So the Qiyam of the trees is found in our Salat. So the Qiyam of the trees is found in our Salat. Then he said the four-legged animals, they are spread out. Now if you look at their particular remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, it is as if they are remembering Allah while in Ruku. So their mode and method of remembering Allah, it finds expression in our Salat. So the ruku of the four-legged animals is in our salat. Then the hasharatul ard, the insects and the snakes, they remember Allah Ta'ala while being on the ground. Right? So Allah Ta'ala says everything remembers Allah. So the snakes, they go around and they remember Allah Ta'ala while on the ground. And in our salat, there is also the aspect of, uh, you know, sijda going on the ground. And he says, like, for example, Allah Ta'ala says everything remembers Allah. The mountains, they stay stationed, right? And if you look at our Salat, what, what is related to that is like our Tashahud. We sit in Tashahud, so we sit in Tashahud and we are also stationed. So the mountains, they remember Allah Ta'ala as if our, like in our Salat, we are in, in, in Tashahud. Then he says, the, the other aspect with regard to the, the celestial bodies, the moon and the sun, etc., they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by movement. So the sun starts at a particular place and it continues and it comes again and the next day it rises. So there is motion. They remember Allah ta'ala in motion. And in our salat, there is also motion. So you start with Takbir al-Tahrima and you go down in Ruku and you get up and you go into Sijda, then you come down into Qada uh, and then you go back again and all that, there is motion. So you see the mode of remembering Allah of the entire creation is found in our two rakats of Salat. Subhanallah. So that, that is the, the beauty of our Salat. And that's when uh, Nabi Karim Sallallahu said, Allah has kept the coolness of my eye in Salat. Nabi Karim Sallallahu made the statement because of the enjoyment he attained in Salat. And because of the joy he found in Salat, he would lengthen his Salat. And Nabi Karim Sallallahu was asked, what is the best of Salat? And he said, to, uh, to have long, long ruku, uh, long uh, qiyam. Now, one of the amazing things is uh, there is a difference of opinion amongst ulama that what type of salat is, is better. 
So you have Imam Wanifa Rahmatullahi always felt that long qiyam is better than abundant of sijda. So you got, for example, uh, you got three, four minutes or five minutes before uh, before salat, or you got time to read uh, nafil salat. So what is better? Is it better to read four rakats in which you have four sijdas? Or is it better to have long qiyam and you have long qiyam and you have fewer sijdas? Well, and it's something that I'm sure you must have done during your student days. So according to Wanifa Rahmatullahi, the long qiyam is mm. better. According to Shafi Rahmatullahi, abundance of sijda is better. But that is that what I remember from student days. I haven't, I don't recall reading it, but I know that during the course of our student days, we used to read this. This was a difference of opinion between Bonifa Rahmatullahi and Imam Shafi Rahmatullahi. The tool Kunut was more uh, um, uh, preferable in, in the view of Imam Bonifa Rahmatullahi. So Nabi Akrim Sallallahu used to, one Sahabi said that I, I went to go and join Nabi Akrim Sallallahu while he was reading Qiyamullah. And I thought that Nabi Karim Sallallahu would read 100, 200 ayats. He read the whole of Surah Baqarah. Then when he came towards the end of Surah Baqarah, I said, Alhamdulillah, now you will make ruku. And he continued reading. And, uh, you know, uh, he continued reading in Ali Imran. And he said, towards the end, I was becoming very, very tired. Now, it reminds me, Morana, once that in, in Newtown Masjid, Mufti Mutsab Rahmatullahi came and make... Um, make um, Etikaf. At the time when Hafiz Yusuf Jasat started off his long, you know, Qiyamul Layl, where he used to read many, many, uh, you know, uh, uh, paras in, in Tahajjud. He might have read it before also. So there used to be one Musalli, who was a very jokey Musalli, may Allah Ta'ala grant him Jannah, Adam by Jogiat. So he used to, re- and the way he used to relate it, he used to you make us laugh. You know, he had a very, very, you know, jovial character, and he was very humorous. So he said, I went one day, Mohara started reading, there was one or two Muslims, so I said, I'm going to read today. I, mean, I was in the mood of becoming pious, and he said, I, I joined the Salah. So I said, it must be, how long would it take? It was 15, 20, and he said, in one record, Mohana read about 10 to 14 Suparas. I was like, finished towards the end, but he said, the way I enjoyed it, he said, I can't explain to you the enjoyment. So Ademai Jogiat, and he used to live in, in Avenue Road in, in Fordsburg. Uh, you know, we, we used to get together from time to time. Allah knows uh, his family after that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for everyone who have lost their near and dear ones. So anyway, this was something that I said that Nabi Karim Sallallahu enjoyed long, long qiyam. So this is also one of the aspects. Why did he enjoy it? Although there is sometimes physical type of uh, exertion, because you know you are standing in front of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ma, there's a question here that has come through from one of the, the listeners. As Ma was speaking about uh, Salah and the uh, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would find um, the coolness of Salah, um, the coolness of the eyes in Salah and so on, and the Sajda and the importance of that as well. And they say that um, because of a problem that they have, they, they have to sit and they cannot make Sajda, will the reward still be the same? How will they benefit from that Sajda? No, definitely you will get the reward. See, if there is any certain degree of, uh, uh, you know, a certain degree of challenges that comes from Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you continue. Now, of course, uh, there is, 
uh, the difference uh, our fuqaha and our muftis have made mention. I've heard from our muftis, for example, that uh, if you can't make sijda, then you can, you can, for example, sit down. Now there are two ways of doing it. One is to sit on the chair, which people seem to prefer. Otherwise, you can sit down on the ground and keeping your legs uh, out a little bit. And then you make, you make your, your, your salat. And if, for example, if you can be in a situation of reading and making the, the, the sijda, you try and make it. If not, if you are sitting in your chair and you, you do it, because, and if you find out from a mufti that you are allowed to do it because of your physical challenges, Allah Ta'ala will give you the same reward, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair enough for that. Uh, um, Ma, you can continue. Yes, another point, Moana, is that uh, although I don't want to spend uh, too much time on that, but one of the other aspects and benefit with regard to Salat, Salat plays a vital role in the upliftment and reformation of all other departments of human existence. It exerts its influence over all spheres of human life and transform the entire existence of a human being to one of virtue and piety. In the salata, your salat prevents you from uh, immorality and evil. That means it raises the minds of people to uh, certain ideals and values without which the minds of people would be limited to lustful and greedy desires. I remember reading a statement somewhere it is said that it is a statement of Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. I haven't been able to verify it, but the statement is very beautiful, worthy of keeping it, right? And it is said, uh, a sinning man would soon stop praying. A man who continues sinning will very soon stop making ibadat, will soon stop praying. And a praying man will soon stop sinning. Subhanallah. What a beautiful thing. And Allah Ta'ala has made mention of it in the Quran that Salat will prevent you from, from lewdness, from evil and immorality. So continue. And that comes, bring me to another point, which I said I will do so towards the end. So Salat and Ibadat, it makes you a better. Nabi Karim Sallallahu was one day asked, a person wanted to buy, at the time slavery was invoked, I wanted to buy someone, Ya Rasulullah, and out of these two people, who should I choose to buy? So Nabi Karim Sallallahu said, choose this one, I saw him reading Salat. You see, so Salat, in its proper sense, now there are those people who camouflage the other evil activities by Salat. That's another, another dimension of, of evil, right? Uh, people try to give the impression of being pious, and then through their piety, they, they do other nefarious type of activities. That's another type of, you know, thing that we have to stay away from. But, but normally, if you perform your Salat in the correct manner, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will change your life, inshallah. You will find a change. As I said, a praying man will soon stop sinning. So I think it's important that we continue. And that brings me to the last point, Moana. How do we deal with lasaji in, in salat? And uh, th- th- that question, Moana, is uh, many times people look at it and, and they ask uh, that question, whether it's uh, that lasaji in salat or anybody in general that uh, Sometimes they feel that uh, they can't get the energy or they don't have the energy or they're not enjoying it. How do they deal with that, Mulana? You see, they, they, in, 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 the, in the words of the, you know, I, I, I mean, Allah Shukar, I've, I've got, I, I, you know, they say, uh, Jacob, or Jacob of all trades and master of none. Huh? 
So, <laughs> so maybe I'm also like that. I've, I've done reading in different type of things. And one of the things that you read, I remember reading Hazrat Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi book. It was a green cover book that was many, many years back. I think it was known as uh, Sharia and Tariqat or Sharia and Tasawwuf. So in there, there is a situation of Qabad and Basat. Now, that's a spiritual feeling of people who are in the in the field of Tasawwuf. Sometimes you feel very enthusiastic. Sometimes you don't feel enthusiastic. You just feel lethargic. And even if you do perform your Salat, you feel short. Um, and you just say, I, I have to do it because I just have to get, get done with it. Um, so sometimes you find it difficult to carry our acts of Salat. Sometimes we fall short. And other times we push ourselves um, because we regard it to an obligation, but we don't find that particular type of uh, joy. And uh, Mufti Yusuf in, in, in this particular chapter has uh, uh, alluded to that when he, and he quoted Ibn Qayyim Rahmatullah said, in the beginning sometimes you will experience difficulty, lethargy and fatigue because of not having recognition of Allah. Once you gain a degree of familiarity, and connection with Allah, then those acts of worship will become a coolness of your eyes. So I always tell people that initially, even if you don't find the joy that we talk about from the writings and the sayings of our Kabir, don't become despondent. Continue. Just continue. Just continue. Go and do it. First, it will become, uh, uh, in some ways, it will become a routine. Then it will become a joy. So just continue. Even if you don't find yourself in a situation where you completely, uh, you know, enthusiastic, continue. One must exert oneself until one becomes accustomed to acts of worship. Anything that one does is initially difficult. There's a saying that goes, we don't grow when things are easy. We grow when we face challenges. So I, I would always say, tell people that, you know, sometimes to get that particular stage of what we are saying, that Nabi Karim Sallallahu said, the coolness of high life in Salat, it will come. It, but it will come after a while. You continue doing it. Just continue, continue. After a while, it will come. I mean, once you, for example, people who read Yasin after Fajr, right? So initially, yeah, okay, sometimes you read, sometimes you don't read. But as you, as you become regular, you will find that if you haven't read it, you will find that you can't move in your, in your day until you read it. Why? Because now it has become part and parcel. You're enjoying it. And even I always tell people that, uh, you know, Al-Hal wal-Murtahil, Nabi Akarim Sallallahu Alaihi the best of Quran reading is the moment you finish one reading, you start another reading. I mean, I don't understand why people only make khatam of the Quran only in, in, in Ramadan. What? what a, make it a habit. Even if it's two, three pages a day. Even Nabi Akarim Sallallahu Alaihi said the most beloved deed to Almighty Allah is that which although little is done regularly. Why will you make it khatam of the Quran only in Ramadan? Throughout the year there must be khatams. Whether it be one, whether it be two, whether it be ten. For Hafiz, of course, you can't say two or three because that's not, uh, that is not shukri to the Holy Quran. But, I mean, we need to be able to have that joy. Initially, it might be difficult, but continue with it. Inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you that particular aspect. Ma, hmm. there's just a few minutes left. Uh, anything else Ma wants to add on? Uh, what more beautiful way uh, than to end off with what Mufti Sahib has ended the chapter. Uh, you will never attain in sin the joy that you will attain in worship. Uh, there's a beautiful article on this comparing the, the joy you get from sin compared to the joy that you get from, from ibadat. 
And more, I, I, I took out that kitab and it's right in front of me, uh, The Road to Paradise by Khalid Beg in First Things First. I don't think I'm going to get a chance to, 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 to complete it, but um, if anyone wants to, they can do up a, a Google search, The Road to Paradise by Khalid Beg. It's an amazing article uh, where he compares the joy that you get in sin, which is not long-lasting and is like going on drugs compared to the joy that you get in Ibadat. And if, uh, Morana, you remind me, then next week, inshallah, we, before we go to the next uh, topic, we'll try and uh, do this one here, inshallah. But what a better way to end off this program uh, with the saying of Mu'ad ibn Jabal, which uh, Mufti Sahib has quoted in this book, Thirty Way to Happiness, in the last moments of the life of Sayyidina Mu'ad, he was crying. So someone asked, why are you crying? And he said, إِنَّمَا abka عَلَى الزَّمَعِ hawajiri." Uh, subhanallah. Uh, I'm crying because I will no more, no, no longer be able to fast on hot days. The joy of fasting in hot days and performing salat on cold nights and traveling to meet the ulama and to sit in their in, in the gatherings and the gatherings of halaqa uh, zikr, uh, the gatherings of zikr. What was Muaz crying about? He wept as he would no longer be able to experience the intense joy of worship in this world and that was why he was crying may Allah Ta'ala give us that, that, that type Amen. of joy in ibadat and I think it's a very very important point Jazakumullah khairan Mona for the lovely program and sharing with us uh, your advices and inshallah uh, we will speak to Mona next week inshallah alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh that brings us to the end of the program this morning um, it's now time for the 10 a.m. news bulletin. I'll be back with you in a little while. Until then, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.